Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. If you feel like you haven't seen me in a while, well, you haven't seen me in a while. Somehow, it's been more than a month since I have hosted the podcast, um, but I know that Ian and Sally have been doing a great job. Um, It's not that I haven't been around, it's that I haven't been in a great space to actually record the podcast, um, because though many of you know that I dropped my son off at college a few weeks ago, what you probably don't know is that I also moved, and the place that I'm moving to is not yet ready, so I've been bouncing back and forth between Airbnbs, so... But I'm excited to be here today, and of course, we have a great show. I always say that, but it's always true. Um, We're going to be updating you on the latest on the student loan forgiveness um, uh, sort of path forward that the Biden administration announced uh, about a week ago. Um, And we're also going to be talking about how to make the most of Naviance. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about supplemental essays. So for those of you who are working on your common application, you know that there are some colleges that ask for supplemental essays. And joining us today, because we thought it would be really great to get the perspective of someone who's still working at admissions, um, is Becky Konowitz. She is the Dean of Undergraduate Admission at Santa Clara University. Hi, Becky. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you joining the show. I always think it's a great thing that though all of my colleagues and I are former admissions officers, it's always nice to have someone who's still in the field um, and really making some decisions around um, things like whether or not you're going to offer supplemental essays. So I guess my first question to you is really more general, um, and that is, why do colleges ask for these? You've already got your main Common App essay, so why supplemental additional essays? Great question. I think universities ask these to express their individuality in the college admission process, but also to allow applicants to seek out theirs, right? So it's, it's about that main college essay that the Common App may ask, they ask for, you know, five or six prompts, is written and sent to all colleges a student's applying to. So the supplement essays are unique to a college um, and therefore allow for that individuality for a college and the applicant. So part of this college application process is to gain insight to an applicant, to their interests, their voices, their perspectives, their ideas. So the supplement essays really allow for that space um, for a student to express who they are Um, how they may transform and grow, right, in the college process. So I think another reason a college college asks for the supplemental essays is to have more context and writing abilities. You will write in college. And so it's another place where a student can demonstrate how to be concise because the word limits are often shorter, um, how to critically think depending on the questions that are asked, um, but also really to see if they're ready for that college level writing with grammar, punctuation, vocabulary choice. Lastly, I would say many colleges probably use supplemental essays as a form of demonstrated interest. Um, Has a student assessed if this is a college 
that is a good fit and hear from their voice why they think it's a good fit for them. So, Beth, you can see there's lots of different yeah. um, reasons for us adding them to our application process for a holistic review, but we think they're very valuable. Yeah, and I, I one thing, all of those things very much resonate with me and feel in line with what, how we thought about them when I was doing admissions and how I know my colleagues have talked about um the choices of supplemental essays and topics and things like that when they were doing admissions. But one thing in particular that resonates with me because we are in the throes of this right now is that, um, you know, focus on can the student write? Are they critical thinkers? Can they be concise? If I had a dollar for every time I talked to a student about be more straightforward, use fewer words. Why are you writing something in 20 words that you could say in five? Um, so I just want to say thank you because you are saying what a lot of us do say to students. And I, I think the other big thing is this again highlights you can't leave this stuff to the last minute. If you're going to spend four weeks crafting your main essay and then think you're going to sit down and write a supplemental essay in a day in one draft, then there's going to be a disconnect, right? Typically between the quality of the writing. And actually, I'm curious if that's something, I know it's something I used to see when I was at Penn and I want, I would be curious if you find that notable when that happens. Um, yeah. We Clark. find it all the time. Um, yeah. So a lot of focus on the main essay and then last minute submissions of the supplement and that leads to the poor writing um not ability to hone and be concise so completely agree got it yeah and so i guess my my you mentioned a lot of different reasons would all of those be accurate for why santa clara has the supplemental essays or anything additional you would add about santa clara's choice for those yeah i Absolutely everything I shared is is on our list. I think I would emphasize that the main reason we really focus in on our questions is to celebrate our Jesuit Catholic identity. Mm -hmm. um, we really want to create a space where all are welcomed, religious diversity is explored, there's conversations about spirituality. But the Jesuits like to take action on social justice, climate justice, racial justice, the intersection of all of them. So coupled with a very dynamic location of Silicon Valley, um, where students get to, you know, explore, have those vocations, bring the action into life in real world in our communities. Um, we really spend a lot of time on our questions to reflect our community. And so it's less about the, um, I think for us, it's about trying to make sure the student, when they get to our supplement says, ah, oh, this is Santa Clara. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the individuality, the uniqueness, we are trying to express that in the type of question we're asking. So I always tell students, you know, you're trying to figure out fit in many different areas. Sometimes the questions on the supplements um, can help you in that way. So at Santa Clara, if you get in energized and expired to answer our questions, as we do to read them, then we're a good fit. Um, and so I would encourage students to see um, and understand that about Santa Clara. And it's really reflected in our questions. And I, also a great point that actually I could extrapolate out, which is that if you are, if you look at these supplemental questions for whether it's for Santa Clara or really any institution and your reaction is, 
oh my God, I can't believe they're asking me that, or I have no idea how to answer this, or it just completely flummoxes you, that might be a sign that this is not the perfect fit. Um, They don't always listen, but I think that's a really great point is, you know, you're really highlighting special things about Santa Clara. And if those things don't resonate with you as a student, then the institution probably won't resonate with you. And better to find that out before you apply than before you actually apply, get in and attend and realize, oh, I don't know if we are, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Compatible. Great. Exactly. All right. Well, why don't we dig in since we have you here. So one of the things that we do on the podcast throughout the fall is we will look at supplemental questions for a bunch of different schools and kind of talk through how to think about it, how to approach them. And now we have right here with us the Dean of Admissions from Santa Clara. So we would love to hear from you. Um, I'm going to read the first one. And this one is, um, and I'm sure you could probably read it from memory, recite it from memory, um, but briefly describe what prompted you to apply to Santa Clara University based on what you know about SCU and our Jesuit mission to educate citizens and leaders of competence, conscience, and conscience and compassion. How do you envision your life at SCU and beyond? And you get a maximum of 200 words to tackle that question. Yeah. And I think for us, what we're really trying and um, to understand in an applicant's eyes, completing this answer um, in a concise, well-written format um, is we really want to know, you know, does the applicant know who we are? We point blank share our mission, right? We mm-hmm. want to educate citizens um, and leaders to be competent, conscious, and compassion. And so critically analyzing that in a way saying, um, does this information for a student and a community, where do they see they, themselves taking that, right? So mm-hmm. is this, you know, college is a time of transition, growth, development, and we're saying this is our community. These are the values we aspire to. Um, will you share with us wh- how you see taking those forward? And, you know, they may not have come from a Jesuit background or a Catholic background or a religious background at all in their education. And we're okay with that. We're saying, here's who we are. How would you like to take it forward? Um, And so I think that's really what we're getting at is really allowing that space. We're open to all um, some students, you know, have had experience with spirituality and, and formation in secondary school and others haven't. And so we're trying to say, okay, here's ours. Reflect right. on it and how do you see it influencing you in the future? Yeah, and I, I love that. I, to me, this feels very, what I really like about it is I, I feel like it's very straightforward. You're not hiding anything. You're not not asking a key portion of the question, which I'm not going to name names here, but there are definitely a couple of institutions out there who I don't believe are intentionally hiding their intent, but are doing it not realizing that they're doing it, but I feel like it's really out here. And if you're not quite sure what you mean in the question, you can go to the website and probably dig in a little bit more and and get a better sense for it. Um, But it's pretty straightforward. So I appreciate that insight. Great feedback for us. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. Um, Sometimes, honestly, I wish that some colleges would be open to feedback like that. Um, I don't know that the feedback's always delivered in the best possible way. I think a lot of times, you know, counselors will be frustrated because they see their students struggling and they assume, you know, well, why don't the colleges realize this? But because 
Um, I, I was actually just looking, I'm going to be in NACAC next week. And one of the sessions is high school counselors presenting to colleges and sort of trying to help them understand these are the challenges we're facing. Um, just so you understand. So as you set policy, um, be aware that this is an issue. And I do sometimes think like poorly worded supplemental essays are the kind of thing that people like to complain about online, but don't necessarily have an opportunity to have a dialogue and say, hey, this is really the underlying challenge here. If you could do X, that would go a huge way towards making that an easier hurdle for our students. So. Yeah, and Beth, honestly, this question has evolved. And mm-hmm. you reminded me of about five years ago when we did have a, a very healthy conversation with a group of high school counselors. And they shared because the question evolved from when you visited <laughs> Yes. How did you feel our, and we realized that was creating so much anxiety because of course not everybody can visit. We right. have applications from around the country and the world. And we didn't realize that simple phrase was creating so much anxiety. And um, so we appreciate our counseling friends on the other side or working with students who sometimes nudge us and um, right. us evolve. <laughs> yes. Did you realize that when you yeah. do this? Um, yes, it is a really great to have that dialogue. And um, it's certainly easier to have it with some than with others. But um, hopefully uh, places, you know, NACAC, the National Conference, things like that provide at least a little bit of an opportunity to have those exchanges. So I love that you guys tweaked it. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the second question because Santa Clara only asks two. Um, Um, And they're both relatively short. Also appreciate that. Um, So here's the second question. At SCU, we push our students to be creative, be challenged, and be the solution. Think about an ethical dilemma that you care about that our society is currently facing. This can be something happening in your local community or more globally. How can an SCU education help you prepare for and address this challenge? Yeah. Great. Um, I think for us, every time I read this question, I get excited. We've had it for about three years now. And this, um, as you can imagine, going into the pandemic and coming out of it, this question gave us so much hope for the amazing students in our applicant pool, because really we are a community that likes to question, take action on, as I mentioned earlier, social, racial and climate issues and change Mm -hmm. and drive, even the conversation around the intersectionality of all those challenges. And so reviewing the supplement essays, this question has provided us the most inspiration. Our students today in each cycle, they want this change. They have ideas. And so we've given them a space to share that with us. They also, I think it reflects to us that they're ready to jump into our community and join the programs that are addressing these, have the classroom discussions, do the research with a faculty member or a Silicon Valley company that's asking the same question and address these. And so it's really, again, giving us insight to one, they have a thought, which we know this generation um, (laughs) will speak up, which is exciting, and then they will take action. And so we really see this question as a way to say, do they see Santa Clara as providing them that platform? Um, We won't necessarily always have it all, but we will try. We're trying to create a community 
for those activists, for those leaders to question. Um, and so this usually gives a lot of insight. A lot of students will also find things which we love about unique programs that match their interests and their passions. And some students honestly haven't been given a lot, have not thought about um, this portion of their interests going mm-hmm. into college, right? They're so, so busy, so overwhelmed in many ways. But to have a moment to say, oh, I am listening. There are conversations that I'd like to continue in college. That is okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just saying you're going to have them here and um, come join us. And yeah, this question by hands down, our, our counseling, our readers have really enjoyed and really see um, strength in our applicant pool. And I have to also give a shout out to the way that it's worded, which again, I love because I have seen similar, similar questions, but the way it's often worded is what do you, what is the most important ethical dilemma facing our world right now? And if you want to see something throw students into a tizzy, it's that. I mean, who can say what is the most, right? My vision of that, which is what we, I talk to students about, right? Well, what I think is most important is going to be different than what you think is, which is going to be probably different than 50 people on the street. So it's really about what you think is important. And so I really like that you're not saying what is the most important. You're simply saying what's something you care about? What is something you personally care about? And that's key. It has to be personal. Otherwise, you're not learning anything about the student and the student's going to have less to say if it's not personally important to them. Yeah. And I think we really also tried to hone in. This is very Jesuit of us as well as a lack of a better term is it's about the community or the globe, right? And so Mm -hmm. it can be something that's resonating with a student um, in their community that, you know, is really a challenge um, or is a, you know, globally talked about. And so we really wanted to provide that space that um, a student doesn't have to feel overwhelmed that they have had to study it in school and right. read the latest New York Times. It's not about that um, at all. So we wanted to allow that space as well. Awesome. Um, Becky, I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. This was really great. And I think uh, certainly it's helpful from a from a broad perspective, whether Santa Clara is on a student's list or not, but certainly if it's on their list, even better. Um, so thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Beth. I really enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Um, And when we come back, we're going to be talking about this new student loan forgiveness program. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Um, So we'll be back in just a minute. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. College admissions can be stressful. But Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. 
Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Uh, Just before the break, I said we were going to be talking about the new student loan forgiveness program, and I wasn't lying. And here to discuss it with me is my colleague, Stacey McFeeders, who also happens to be a former financial aid officer at both Emerson and Elms Colleges and a former vice president of education finance and student loans at JP Morgan. So this makes perfect sense for her to be here today. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Beth. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Um, the Biden administration announced, was it a week ago, two weeks ago? I can't even remember now. Gosh, almost a month ago, August 24th, I think. Oh, wow. Time flies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Time really does fly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a few weeks ago, we're going to go with that, announced yeah. a new loan forgiveness program. Um, why don't we start with what are the basics of the program? Yeah, great. So, um, it, it, you know, it hasn't been given a fun name yet, which is kind of unusual for the Department of Ed. So we're sort of calling it the Targeted Federal Student Loan Forgiveness or Cancellation Program. Um, when you're looking it up, that's what you should be looking for on the Department of Ed website. But basically what it is, is the president sort of made good on his campaign promise to forgive some federal student loans. So the sort of, you know, quick and dirty on it is that borrowers who make uh, less than $125,000 as individuals or $250,000 as married um, can expect if they hold federal student loans that $10,000 of their federal student loan debt can be uh, forgiven through this program. Also, any borrowers in that same earlier definition who also received Pell Grants as a part of their financial aid packages will receive up to $20,000 in loan forgiveness. And that up to figure is really only if you don't happen to meet those thresholds. So, for example, it's $10,000 unless you only have $8,000, then you'd only have $8,000 forgiven. Um, But basically, it's $10,000 or $20,000 based on your Pell eligibility um, and the income that they are using, uh, the 125 or the 250, is based on either your uh, 2020 uh, AGI, your tax return, or your 2021 AGI slash tax return. Got it. So if you made a lot of money in 2020, but a lot less in 2021, you still could qualify. Absolutely. And from what the department has recently announced, they are actually going to go with the lower of the two, which is mm. great. So yes. yeah, 
Yeah, it is great. <laughs> um, I do want to. I did want to um, note one thing, and that is that it's very important that this is only for federal loans, right? So if you took out a private loan with a bank or your local credit union, this is not this does not impact you. Exactly, exactly. So it is only applies to federal loans. Um, it does apply to federal parent plus loans, grad plus loans, uh, federal direct student loans, um, some loans under what were formerly known as the FFELP program all qualify. Um, but if they, if you took private loans or, you know, finance education on credit cards, none of those things apply. So yeah, okay. unfortunately, no, but a huge number of folks are um, fortunately qualify, uh, will qualify under the existing program. Got it. Okay. You also mentioned that Pell Grant recipients could qualify for as much as 20000 in forgiveness. What if someone is sort of saying, oh, was I a Pell Grant recipient? I don't know. How yeah. do you track that down? Great, great question. So, and actually, I'm going to give you an answer that applies to a lot of the things you're going to want to know. So, if you log into the Department of Ed website and look for FSA, Federal Student Aid, uh, looking using your Federal Student Aid ID, FSA ID, there you will find everything you need to know. So if you are a Pell Grant recipient, it will record that. If you have student loans and you're not sure if they are federal, it will also be recorded there. So the sort of first and most important step for everyone will be to visit the Department of Education website. Um, they have what is called a subscription page where you can actually subscribe and they will Makes share. Sense. Yeah, exactly. They will share any upcoming information. So basically as they push information out, you'll receive it. And then while there, you will want to go into your studentaid.gov, studentaid.gov um, uh, page, log into your dashboard and there you can find all of your loan totals as well as your Pell Grant eligibility going way far back. So um, that information should all be out there. So if, if I'm hearing you correctly, any borrower listening today, that's probably what they should do right now, right? Yeah. While, while this is being figured out, while all of the details are being ironed out, we do know that there is a little bit of a push from a group of governors to have this not happen. Yeah. Um, you feel pretty comfortable that it probably is going to move forward, correct? So I've been around a long time and, you know, I will never, ever say never, but the reality is this is, this is not pending legislation. This has been passed. This is an executive order. Is there the possibility that there could be suits filed to slow it or halt it? Sure. Um, but every guidance that we've been given from both the Department of Education and the National Association of Financial Aid Administrators is that we are moving forward. All systems go um, presently. The application is not yet available. So as Beth said, the, the first most important step is to get yourself subscribed to the Department of Ed subscription page and visit your um, studentaid.gov site uh, to make sure you have all of your ducks in a row um, as things will start to roll out. I can tell you what we do know, if you don't mind. <laughs> Sorry. No, go for it, please. Yeah, yeah. so um, we do know that they are expecting to release an application sometime in October. We also have some information that there will be borrowers who may automatically qualify based on having completed FAFSAs for the tax years that we're talking about and or already having on file their income information based on um, income dependent repayment programs. Still, if you look at the Department, Department of Ed website, they are strongly encouraging everyone to apply when the application is made available, but some of our listeners may find that they will automatically qualify. Um, more to come on that. But for now, just know that when the application comes out, if you want to, you know, put on the belt and the suspenders, go ahead and apply. So. <laughs> 
Is, was there ever a bad idea to do that? And I can't think of a better time to nope. do that when yeah. uh, it involves getting money back. Right? Exactly, so exactly, exactly. Do twice of tw- do more than what you need to to make sure that you get it if it's 100%. coming to you. One hundred percent. So that's super helpful. Uh, is this just for students? I know a lot of our listeners are actually parents. So is it just students that qualify or do parents qualify as well? So crazy good news. If, if you're me, and I wouldn't have bet this, um, not only do student borrowers who have their own student loans qualify, parents who borrowed for their dependents under the PLUS loan program will also qualify under the same requirements. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm super excited about that. Sometimes those debt burdens are even higher. So knowing that that's included is great. Right, exactly, because we know we read stories about people doing too much on a Parent PLUS loan and then it's impacting their ability to retire or not and they're feeling like they may never get out. Yep. This at least will go a little way to helping with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we already talked about how to apply. Um, there isn't an actual application yet. Um, we did talk about parents qualifying. What about current college students or parents who maybe just took out a loan for their student, a federal um, Parent Plus loan recently, are those still going to be factored into this? Yes, believe it or not. Again, crazy, surprising, good things. Um, so yes, current students who had loans dispersed prior to June 30th of 2022 will have those loans included. So a couple little nuances around that. For current students, the income thresholds will not be based on their income because by and large, they're considered dependent students. So if they are considered dependent the forgiveness would be uh, would be qualified based on the parent income. So those same income th- thresholds that we talked about, let's right. use an example. I have uh, uh, nephews who are juniors in college. They both have student loans. If they qualify, it would be based on their parents' income for the 2020 or 2021 um, tax years because they're considered dependent students. But again, not sure I would have thought that currently enrolled students also also would have qualified. So it would be for anybody whose loans were dispersed before June. Um, so anybody who completed their freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, unfortunately for, for our, our freshmen, <laughs> it's a little right. too late, but yes, um, yeah, exactly. it's still good. It's still good. And, and just to, because if it floated through my head, it probably thro- floated through one of our listeners' heads, at least one. Um, it's a one-time thing, right? So it's yeah. not like you could get forgiveness for loans that you took out two years ago. That may be equal $10,000. And then two years from now, you're going to be able to do the same. Yeah. No, as of right now, it is being, um, it, it, is, it is actually called a one-time forgiveness program. So the, with the application period is open, Obviously, when the application becomes available and then borrowers will have until December 31st, 2023 uh, to apply and then the window closes. So it, it, as of right now, is a one-time thing. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there will be a lot of discussion about what else should be happening. But for this particular program, that is it. It's from now until December uh, 2023. Sorry, I had to do my math. Um, and then beyond that, you know, anything that comes would be, would be new. So then in reality, people should have a good year and four or five months yep. to get their application in. But as with anything, especially anything involving free money, why would you wait? Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait once yeah, that exactly. application becomes available. So in um, the guidance that we're getting from the Department of Ed is anybody who gets their application in before uh, the end of November I'm sorry, I think they said November 15th, should have their uh, refund process before 
loans go back into repayment in, in, in January. So that's one thing I hadn't even mentioned yet is for those who have not been required to pay on their federal student loans due to the CARES Act administrative forbearance, that is scheduled to end on January 1st, the department is saying that if you qualify, get your application in, you will get your refund, and then whatever remaining balance you have will be sort of recalculated so that when you go into repayment, it will be based only on your new new balance due. Right, which is great because also that decreases the amount of... Oh my God, the, the word just flew out of my head. Uh, what's the extra stuff they add on top oh, of the interest? Billing? Thank you. Yeah. Interest. Yep. Yep. All I can, the only thing I can say for myself is that it's September and it's that time of year. Yeah, and exactly. exactly. Words just fly out of my head. Yeah, so <laughs> you're going to pay less interest and that's always also a great thing. Yep. Um, what else have I not asked that I should? Um, other really important components of this of this program that you want our listeners to know about? I think the one thing I would say is kind of stay tuned because every day we're getting new information, um, literally. So stay stay tuned with us. Um, you know, follow us on social media because we are putting out any new updates. The Department of Ed is doing a really good job to make sure they're staying on top of whatever comes out. Um, not unusual for a program to be announced and then the how-tos to, to, to catch up. Um, but again, I, from what we can see and from our lens, we're seeing that they're doing a lot of proactive things so that folks who should already be in the queue will be. Um, but again, stay tuned, follow that subscription page. And then as soon as you know the application is out there, go ahead and apply. Yeah. I'm going to throw a curveball at you because we have a couple of minutes sure. left. Great. There's another there's another loan forgiveness program out there mm-hmm. that um, is doing a bit of a reset, and that is scheduled to end at the end of October. Can you just share a little bit about that with our listeners? Yeah. We've talked about it on the show before, yeah. so if you want more, they can listen, they can go to the archives, but yep. tell us about that one. Yeah, sure. So, Uh, Many folks probably are already aware that there is a program called Public Service Loan Forgiveness, PSLF, for those employees who work in public service fields, so nonprofit public service fields, who would qualify for debt relief after 120 on-time payments on their federal loans. It's been in place since 2008, hasn't been the most popular, um, wasn't wonderfully administered, and there were some sort of stumbling blocks for folks that had been in place. Um, But since last November, there has been what is called a limited waiver in place that allows um, borrowers who might have not known about the program or might not have been in the right repayment program or might have had to do some things with some existing loans to make them eligible This period of limited waiver um, is in place through October 31st, 2022. Um, So for those folks who may be in these fields, maybe you worked for 10, 11, 12 years, but never thought you'd qualify, take a look into into the the PSLF limited waiver, because the reality is we are finding that we are, in essence, catching up a ton of people who either are very far down the path towards... um, towards qualifying for forgiveness, or in fact, we've actually met with people who had met all of the requirements and didn't know Mm -hmm. and are actually getting loans forgiven that they didn't know they were going to get forgiven. So this this waiver period is basically allowing for what I think you said, a little bit of cleanup Mm -hmm. to, to, in essence, um, get people sort of caught up. We are seeing great success with this program. So if you haven't taken a look at it, you do qualify under the uh, nonprofit employer status, please take a look. Um, It's only out there for another five or six weeks. 
We know that they're looking to do some additional PSLF overhaul uh, through some legislation. hasn't passed yet, but for now, this window is much shorter. So if, yes. you are, if you are that person who is listening, definitely take a look into this. Yeah, definitely. And I bring it up because we uh, had a meeting earlier today where we were talking about some of these success stories where we're talking to people and helping them um, you know, understand what paperwork they need to fill out and they're getting it done. And I mean, we're hearing stories of people with $300,000 worth of debt that's going to be forgiven because they have spent their entire career in public service, $100,000, you know, which are obviously those are spectacular numbers um, and the relief must be amazing. But even if you're getting $5,000 forgiven that you, uh, you know, was looming over your head, that's also amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely yeah. is. Yep. So, if you need any help, definitely visit again studentaid.gov. Look for the PSLF help tool. It's fantastic. Uh, you literally go to the tool, they'll find your loans, it will help you navigate the process. If you happen to fall into one of those categories where maybe you had that old FFELP loan that I talked about, you can quickly consolidate those to make those qualify. So definitely, you know, you've got a little bit of time and, and, and hopefully if it's out there and it's an opportunity, you can, you can still get in, in before that, that waiver goes away. Yes. And just so people know also, if you happen to work for a company that offers, um, that has some Bright Horizons benefits, or might have um, EdAssist, you might actually have some additional support through your company on loans. Never a bad idea to ask HR if you are not sure. Um, because even if you don't have it, maybe they'll say, oh, I wasn't familiar with that. Maybe we should look into it. Um, you know, our goal every every day we get up, we want to help as many people as we can. And so, um, you know, hopefully, we, hopefully this is helpful to all of you listening. And Stacey, thank you so much for joining the show and, My pleasure. and sharing more about this. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have you or one of your colleagues back once we have a few more details in place, if we think there's anything significant that we need to update people on. But also, people should keep an eye on our blog. If you're not following it, you should. Um, so just look for getintocollege.com and our, you'll find a blog right on our website. All right. We are going to take another quick break. But when we come back from that one, we're going to be talking about maximizing Naviance. So don't go away. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. We are talking about Naviance, and joining me for that conversation is my colleague, Mary Sue Yun. Uh, She happens to be a former admissions officer at both Barnard and Whittier Colleges. Hi, Mary Sue. Hi, Beth. Happy to have you on the show today. I feel like it's been a while since we did a segment. So uh, Yeah. And we're talking Naviance, and um, our listeners don't know this, or our viewers don't know this, but you are the Naviance queen in our office, <laughs> um, so you are the perfect guest for this, and I'm going to start with something super basic, and that is, what is Naviance? Right. So Naviance is a tool that's used by uh, a number of high schools, not all high schools, but a, a lot of high schools, um, where it's a way to kind of... Um, manage information about colleges that then gets shared with high school students. So um, the way that a lot of high schools use it is they use it to kind of share uh, anonymous past data of, of their, their alums from the high school and sort of where they went off to college um, and, and also sometimes information about things like upcoming uh, high school visits by college reps. Um, so it's kind of a college counseling communication tool within um, the high schools and uh, and can be used in a lot of different ways um, by families. Yeah. So um, you did mention it in passing, but is this something that every school offers or no? No. Um, there are a couple competitors. Um, there's one called SCORE. There's one called Maya Learning. So you, there might be something else in your particular high school, but they all serve kind of the same function. It's to provide information about colleges to the high school students and also to provide a database for the high schools of sort of past acceptances and kind of where their students went on to college. Yes, the scattergrams function on Naviance is my favorite, and mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about that in a, in a few. But um, one quick thing that I did want to mention to our listeners is that if you're curious if your school offers Naviance, um, they may, and you may not be aware of it because your student may not yet be at the, that age or at that grade where they introduce Naviance. Mm-hmm. Um, so quickest way to find out is check with your school counseling office. Yep. Um, or even probably go on to the website because I know counselors are incredibly busy right now. Probably the busiest they will be all year um, will be right now in the fall all the way through until um, school break. Uh, it might be they might give information about the Naviance system if they have it on uh, on their guidance website. So just mm-hmm. FYI. Um, yep. So so. We, we know already that not all schools have it, but for the schools that do have it, do they all use it the same way or wh- how is that kind of rollout? Um, no, they don't all use it the same way. And um, so that can be a confusing thing. Uh, I know when I'm talking to our students in a variety of settings in which we work with students, um, 
I, I can't sort of make a generality of everybody does it this way. Um, you do have to go back and check with your school counselor as to how they're particularly using it. But I think some common ways to use it um, would be to um, use it for ma- managing the information of uh, students and sort of how they're applying. Um, perhaps the transcript request, perhaps teacher recommendation requests might be done through Naviance. Um, there is a database in Naviance of all colleges, and so you can kind of look up information about the college. You can kind of see, um, you know, whether that, in some cases, whether that uh, college or university is coming to visit your high school. Um, so it can be a wealth of information, uh, but different high schools turn on different features of it. So um, some choose not to, to share as much data or as much information. Others sort of choose to share everything. Um, so, yes, uh, yeah. your mileage may vary. <laughs> right. Okay. And it's a good point. And actually, uh, I'm bringing it up again because I know for me it's such a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a minute about scattergrams? Because yes. one thing that I have noticed is that not all schools turn them on, which yes. blows my mind. But anyway, but yes. tell us a little more about the scattergrams feature. Yes, yeah, so the scattergrams feature is just a visual representation of what um, what past history has been for that high school with a particular college or university. Um, one of the things that I feel like I often have to uh, explain to families in this process is is really thinking about um, how is that information entered into the yes. system. Um, so. Many high schools choose to allow students to self-report their information. Mm-hmm. Um, so at sort of the spring of the senior year, when the student has gotten all of their decisions, those acceptances, wait lists, and denies, um, they sort of send reminders from the high school counseling office, go back and update your Naviance, tell us where you got in, tell us where you didn't. Um, now, I, I have a student who's in uh, my own child who is in college. I have a younger one who's still in high school. Uh, I'm not always uh, convinced that teenagers have that level of follow through. (laughs) Um, So sometimes the Naviance data can be a little bit skewed in that way and that, you know, students might put in their acceptances, but they may not put in their denies, Um, even though the information is blinded and the student's actual name is not um, on that. But what it is, it's a visual representation. It'll show sort of the average GPA, average SETs put out on dots. Um, on a scatter plot, and you can kind of see the trend line um, for a particular college or university. Um, I always find what's so fascinating is that when you look at our highly selective colleges and universities, um, the data gets really muddled, uh, even for yeah. students who have very strong numbers, and that's because of the selectivity of those colleges, where you might see some uh, more predictable universities where the the sort of standard of what they're looking for is pretty clear from the scatter plot. So yeah. it can be useful information, but you do want to make sure you're interpreting it the right way. Right. And then I guess there, the other thing that I'm always noting when we're looking at scattergrams, when I'm looking at them with students is, Yes, when you see the outlier, that's exactly what they are. They're an outlier. So mm-hmm. when someone got into a school with maybe particularly low test scores or a GPA that's not really lined up with everyone else's, there's probably something else going on there. Uh, Often 
and not to knock athletes because there are many talented recruited athletes, but sometimes it's an ath, uh, you know, a recruited athlete. It could be mm-hmm. a development case. There are a lot of reasons for those outliers. The key when you're looking at these as a parent, as a student, is they're outliers. That means there is no predictability there with the outliers. And so you need to factor that in when you mm-hmm. are, when you're looking at this. Um, in terms of um, using it effectively, mm-hmm. what are some, what's advice that you have for students w- when they get access to Naviance? Right. So if you are in a high school where they give you access to Naviance on the earlier side, so um, my, my children's high school um, gives access in ninth grade. Some do ninth or 10th grade. Some say, yeah, we're not turning that on until 11th grade for you. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good to just kind of poke around and, and use the information and find out kind of what there seems to be as trends for your high school, for, for certain colleges and universities. As I mentioned, it's also connected to a full database. And so beyond the information from the high school, there's information that the colleges themselves publish on there. So if you want to do a search or you want to look for schools that have certain um, programs, you can use Naviance to do some of that college searching there. Um, and so it can be helpful in that way. As you get a little more, as a student gets a little bit more into the application process, you definitely want to connect with the school counselor to find out how Naviance is used within your particular uh, high school. So if they have, for example, the teacher recommendations feature of Naviance turned on, um, you want to make sure that you know how to do that. So when you do request those teacher recommendations, that you're putting the information in correctly in Naviance so that those recommendations are not only uploaded by your teachers, but that it is matched to your common applications. There is a way that the Naviance uh, database or Naviance account and the common application account can be coordinated and talk to each other. And so that is often the way that students turn in, uh, get their teacher recommendations turned in. Um, Some high schools also use it for the transcript request um, section. So that might be also the way to request your transcript and Mm -hmm. your school counselor's recommendations. You want to know what the school's policies and procedures are about that. Um, I would say, you know, familiarize yourself early so it's not feeling like, oh, no, it's October 31st. I have a November 1st deadline and I didn't put in the request that I was supposed to put in. uh, And now they're going to be late to the colleges, which could be an issue for some schools. So um, you do want to familiarize yourself with that. Um, But I also tell families, look at the scatterplots, but don't consider them to be, you know, the, the absolute truth and the only piece of data that you look at. Um, it can be one of many pieces of data that you look at when you're evaluating different colleges for academic and personal fit. Um, and it can show you certainly trends, but um, it is one piece of data, not every piece of data. Yeah, now I think that's a really, really good point. Um, and I do want to underscore what you just said. You cannot leave this to the last minute. You're putting Naviance to the side. Every single school out there has a process by which they um, get everyone's pieces out to the colleges and you need to understand your school's process. Um, and if you are a senior and you are listening to this podcast right now and you don't know your school's process, that is your homework. And if it's mm-hmm. during the week, you need to go do that today. And if it's the weekend, you need to do that on Monday because mm-hmm. um, a lot of schools will have, you need to request your transcripts 
a couple of weeks in advance, sometimes as much as a month, maybe even a little bit more. There may be a fee associated with that transcript request. It is not going to work if you are used to sailing into your class at the very last minute and handing in an assignment or getting an extension. That's not going to work with this college process. So on behalf of your school counselors, on behalf of your Mm -hmm. parents, on behalf of you, I am begging you to understand how this works at your school and figure it out before mm-hmm. you need to. Um, what Actually, I mentioned parents. Mm-hmm. Is, um, is this something that parents can access and use? In most cases, yes. Um, so schools often give um, parents access as well. Um, they, there may be a separate parent, depending on how it's set up maybe a separate parent account, or they may just say, use your student's account and look at it with your student. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, again, it can be used to do that initial college research, to find out more about colleges, um, to, you know, really kind of dive into the, the data. Uh, I find that many parents, particularly if you are thinking of notions of colleges and their selectivity from 25, 30 years ago, when yes. maybe you went to college, um, are surprised um, when they look in Naviance as to how selective and you can see a representation of a student with a phenomenal GPA and great uh, test scores who didn't get into um, some schools that perhaps you had expected would be less selective than they are now. So um, I think it's good as a parent to educate yourself on the current state of admissions and the current uh, selectivity of some of the schools that your student might be considering. Yes. Um, obviously, if you're listening to us today, you've heard this message again and again and again. But mm-hmm. to your point, Mary Sue, Naviance can be a great place to help you kind of reset your thinking when mm-hmm. it comes to how selective or not some um, individual schools are. Mary mm-hmm. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your infinite Naviance wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Beth, for having me. Absolutely. All right. So uh, thank you, Mary Sue. Thanks to all of my guests today. Um, it's been fun to be back and hosting the podcast, and I will be back quite a bit um, in October. However, next week, Sally is hosting. Um, she's going to be talking about majors, how to think about a major, selecting a major, whether or not it's okay to apply undecided, what that looks like, and also the CSS profile. Um, Do not forget, I talk about it every time I host the show, perhaps my colleagues do as well, but if you like this show, if you find it helpful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That moves us up and helps other people find us so that they can listen to us as well. Um, So we would really appreciate it if you would do that. Um, If you have a question, you can send it to us on Facebook, on Instagram, we're at at collegecoachbh. Um, You could email us, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. And you could also sign up for our blog at blog.getintocollege.com. And don't forget that we are here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.